Hello everyone, this is Lynn Cremando with Yoga You Online. I'm very excited to be here today with yoga therapist Donna Brooks, founder of Body Wisdom in Northampton, Massachusetts. Donna is a specialist in somatic yoga, which is an approach to yoga that seeks to get us in touch with the body's inner wisdom and capacity for healing. The way it does that is by enhancing our interoceptive awareness and ability to heed the subtle signs of healing. Donna started her yoga career uh, as a student of Iyengar Yoga with teachers John Shoemaker and Karen Stefan in Boston. She went on to study the work of some of the somatic luminaries like Moshe Feldenkrais, somatics pioneer Thomas Hanna, as well as Bonnie Bainbridge Cohen at the School for Body Mind Centering. Donna is a registered somatic movement edu educator and therapist with the International Somatic Movement Education and Therapy Association, in addition to being a certified yoga therapist. So Donna, welcome. Thank you. So it's nice to have be you here, Lynn. Yeah. yeah. That's quite a interesting pedigree you have there and quite a journey from what I think of as one of the more sort of structured forms of yoga to this really maybe diverse, you know, complete opposite form of yoga where you're really much more intuitive and fluid. Uh, can you talk a little bit about your journey and how you got from there to here? Well, actually, I started as a dancer. I was a, a modern dancer in college and I had a knee injury and that's what actually got me into Iyengar yoga. And it definitely picked up my knee injury. Um, I got a lot better and I started really immersing myself in Iyengar yoga and I missed moving. So I also enrolled in um, Feldenkrais classes and I was living in Washington DC at the time. And what was really interesting was I started to realize that I could unwind and have a lot more flexibility with doing these somatically based movements, because I'm gonna just say that Feldenkrais is under the umbrella of somatics. And it took a lot less work than yoga and it seemed to enhance my asana. And that's what really got me started on the path of exploring somatics. And it's interesting that I could see how, in a way, they're really opposite. And in the way I think they're opposite is that um, Thomas Hanna talked about somatics as being the experienced body versus the objectified body. So if I am teaching a class and I say, turn your right foot to 45 degrees and your left foot to 90 degrees, that's giving your body an objective to achieve. And definitely in a somatic approach, you're exploring, well, what does it feel like to swing my ankle towards 45 degrees? What does it feel like to swing my ankle towards 90 degrees? And so you do develop that, that internal awareness, the interception. Um, there's a sense of proprioception that becomes more fine too because you're feeling yourself in space. But so, so there is that sense of opposition. You're experiencing your body versus looking at it as something to manipulate or control. But how they're kind of the same is that we're looking at the body 
And in my experience of somatics is it's, people often think of free and fluid as having no structure. And what my experience of that is instead is there are a lot of different structures in our body. There are developmental movement patterns, there are flows of fluid, there are ways of organizing through the nervous system. And maybe the word structure isn't exactly correct, but they all have like a, a kind of rationale to them. There's a, there's a truth of their experience. And so in that way, for me, it was similar to Iyengar yoga because I was still looking at what are these principles that make the life of movement in my body. It's just looking at different layers and different levels. So almost, it sounds like you're saying there's a freeing, when you free the body, you can find the structure that's when, already in there. When you free the body, you're releasing habits and patterns that control how we move. And this is how it relates to the classes, that this is super important for people with pain and for movement difficulties. because. All of us are controlled by our habits. And part of that is good. If your body didn't make a habit of how it started your car every morning, or, you know, I don't know, I think you're in New York. So if it didn't have the pattern of how you swipe your card at the subway, then you'd have to figure that out every day. So our habits can serve us, but they also weaken us because you know anything that you do, like if you go to the gym and you exercise the same muscles, that's at the cost of something else, right? Yep. Yeah, yeah. You mentioned uh, working with pain, but one of the things, like, so I noodled around a little bit on your website. Hope that's okay. Um, <laughs> what it's there for. <laughs> I saw a video of you working with a student, and what really struck me was not just that idea of how are you organizing and what do you, you know, what layers are you peeling back, but oh, it seemed very empowering. And it seemed very empowering to be in a practice that was more experiential and moving in and through and around space rather than hitting static moments or hitting specific shapes. Yes. And so this is the kind of point I guess I was taking a long time, but I was coming around to. We all these habits and and they're, you know, some of them are controlled very socially. But, or through our furniture, our cars, put us all into different habits. And when we can unwind those habits, there's a richer palette of movement potential. And as that movement potential arises, it, you just feel freer and you find support from more places. There was a, a lovely quote uh, on the side of your, maybe it was your homepage, of one of your students. And the way she described the experience, and I'm gonna just read her words because I thought that really spoke to, and in a way speaks to what you're saying right now. She said, um, my yoga poses have become expressions of inner space connection and flow. I'm learning and expanding into new parts of myself by listening to my body and letting it guide the way it needs to move. And that really also speaking to the empowerment idea. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. And when you have this freedom, it's like you can take it into form or not. 
So one of the things that I, I am going to be talking about in the course and you know, hopefully coaching people and, and giving demonstration to is the idea that when you find a freedom of expression in your movement, that's intrinsic to the human body. So I'm not talking about like, you know, just kind of doing free dance, but let's say like um, the flow between reaching out and being pulled back in. This is a very foundational um, pattern of movement, language of movement. So when you start finding this happening to you, not making it happen, but just feeling the flow of it actually happening, you can feel, okay, my arms want to open up this much. So this is my asana. Or someone else's arms are, you know, opening up that much, or maybe yours are opening that much on a different day. And so it guides you into where you need to be an asana for the delight of your body. Yeah, I can hear that, that there's really a payback for taking the time to just yeah, go in there and be all gooey and delicious and so much because there's we don't live in a gooey and delicious world yeah. <laughs> um, and I, want, I just wanted to mention that we're talking about the course that's coming up is called somatic yoga connecting with your inner body wisdom that you're going to be um, teaching soon can we go back though um, you talked about working with people who have chronic pain and I know you also do a lot of work with Parkinson's how do these, uh, these are difficult conditions to live these with. These are difficult conditions. So the sense of fluid movement, we'll say, we'll use that sense, fluid movement, is really important for people in pain because often there's a sense that any effort causes a, a reaction in the body that is pain. So if you can start finding fluidity and in obvious, maybe it's not obvious, but obvious to me and people who are very, very extreme pain, sometimes that's just the fluidity of the breath. Mm -hmm. So you have a lot of entryways into uh, not just movement, but if we, if we go to the kosha model, it sounds like there's a somatic component hitting all of the koshas. Well, so the way I see somatics is that it's just really the experience of the embodied self in life. And our embodiment is, to me, indistinguishable from movement. So we have this sort of prejudice that we think like, okay, I can walk across the room, that's movement. I can bend over and touch my toes, that's movement. But if you think about it, each of your cells is respirating. And as each of those cells respirate, that's a movement. As your blood is flowing through your veins and your arteries, that's movement. And can people tap into these experiences and have those experiences inform bending over and touching their toes or walking across the room? Absolutely. And for people with really severe pain and a lot of restriction, that's often the starting place because the grosser, denser movements are just too overwhelming. Is that also true of Parkinson's? Is there a different spin? Yes, on Parkinson's is a little bit different in the sense that it's good for Parkinson's patients to kind of go through their limitation and make big movements. Mm -hmm. And the challenge that um, Parkinson's patients have a lot is fighting or arguing with their muscles because Parkinson's patients get very, very stiff. 
And so they want to stretch out, but the muscles are often quite angry at that intrusion. So finding more fluidity, and, and often I find with Parkinson's patients, it's really important to find the fluidity through the fascia. Mm -hmm. um, but finding that fluidity actually creates another place of support for movement. So it's not like the muscles all of a sudden get gooey because they don't, but it's easier to move them. And that's such a blessing for people with Parkinson's. You know, as you're talking, and I, I, I totally see that, I'm also thinking about people who don't have, people who just live in society with gravity uh, that find it, first of all, the peeling away of the layers and the, what I think of as some scars of the habitual movement patterns that may or may not serve anymore. Uh, but people who live with stress, who live with dysfunctional movement, it sounds like uh, somatic yoga has something to offer. Oh, absolutely. We all live with dysfunctional movement. I mean, every yogi knows that normal bodies are supposed to squat. And the truth is, if we don't do our squats, when do we squat? There's nothing in our culture that lends itself towards squatting. So that in and of itself, or just even the amount of sitting we do, mm -hmm. creates a dysfunction in our movement. So we all have that. So absolutely, all of us can really benefit. Yeah, you had said something, I think, on your website about... Uh understanding the subtlety of how the body needs to move yes so these are kind of uh patterns or or even new uh movement directions well you talked about healing in the beginning and I, well i think there's a couple of things i think that there are actual developmental movement patterns that some of us have gone through very very well some of us have gone through so so some of us have gone through not really well enough to support our movement. So going back and understanding, seeing where there's glitches in developmental movement patterns, those things are real. And we should be um, you know, pretty smooth in them, and a lot of us aren't. And that also has to do often culturally, because maybe you didn't have enough time with crawling, you know, because you're it was the years where people thought babies shouldn't be on the floor, you know, or maybe you were always in a Johnny jump up bouncing around before you really were ready to stand on your legs. So there's the developmental movement piece. There's the piece of accidents and injuries and trauma that we develop compensations for. And then we have to, you know, figure out we, we get stuck in those compensations and those really limit our movement and often, um, give us uh you know pain and restriction and and then there's also the fact that we live in these or with these incredible alive vibrant experiences that want to express themselves and culturally again and emotionally whatever you want to say we're only allowed certain expressions. Like say, you know, you really wanna like shake out your joints, like a lot. You can't just shake out your joints at the bus stop without people looking at you. So there's a, a layer where we're always inhibiting the aliveness of our bodies. And what somatic work does is it peels away those layers of inhibition so that the natural intelligence of the body just does what it needs to do to make us feel balanced and healthy and well. This idea of freeing inhibitions and 
letting go of habitual uh, patterns. It strikes me as something that would be actually useful to yoga teachers, not just the practitioners. Can you talk about some of the tools of somatic yeah. yoga? Well, I think how it does help teachers a lot. And I think that you're asking your students to come into deep embodied presence, basically. And so in order to do that, it's helpful to be in deep embodied presence yourself. And it's a lovely place to be. So there's so much less kind of um, stress involved in the teaching. It's like you don't have to be perfect. You don't have to work hard at achieving something or communicating something because you're giving a lot of time to your students for them to have their own experience and to come alive in their own bodies. And um, one of the, the really important tools of someone who does somatic work is to be able to feel and sense. And there are some slight differences between feeling and sensing, but this is really important. And it's a different way of feeling and sensing that you might in a lot of meditation practices, because it's uh, like feeling in action of the movement of the body, a sensing in action. And that can be challenging um, for people initially. So a really important piece of this is also using images and imagery. And um, that helps people kind of get into the pool, so to speak. Because once you're in the pool, the water's delicious and it's really supportive and it feels great. But sometimes it's hard, you know, you think, oh my God, it's gonna mm -hmm. be cold. I can't really get in there. And so the, the imagery really helps with that. And it, I find that it helps as a teacher too, because it really sets my state plot. Um, so I can be very alive and in this easy effortless zone when teaching. And that's a nice contribution. So there's an ease and an effortlessness and an uh, experience, an exchange between the teacher and the student. Absolutely. An embodied experience in that sense as well, sounds like. Oh, absolutely. And, and, you know, I'm having to really pull back many, many years to teaching because I've actually really been without somatics because I've actually been using somatics with teaching since the 90s. So I was still teaching a pretty vigorous Iyengar based kind of yoga then, but I was still, you know, doing a lot of awareness um, with that. And so like thinking about a yoga class without somatics is kind of a far reach back for me. Fun. Um, <laughs> I know that in the class that's coming up, which I want to say the whole name of it because I shortened the name. Yeah. Uh, in okay. the beginning, it's called Freeing the Body to Heal Pain, Tapping into Your Body's Wisdom with Somatic Yoga. What are some of the tools that you will be talking about in that class? Well, as I mentioned, the ability to feel and sense and to know what that means in terms of our nervous system so that students really have an understanding of what this thing called muscle memory is, actually, how that works as a loop in the nervous system and how we can change that through our perceptions. And we'll also be talking with, about something that you mentioned early on about gravity, um, because I think a, a lot of our sort of preconception is that gravity is sort of something we have to fight against and it wears us down. 
but really gravity is a friend. And when you sort of surrender into gravity and find a relationship with, with it, it gives you a whole other level of support. It's, it's, um, I like to think of gravity as kind of like a parent. It sort of pulls us close, but in that pulling close also gives us the conditions to intelligently move away from it or through it. So we'll be exploring that with gravity. And I'm also going to be bringing up tensegrity mm-hmm. and the idea that we're not structured from the ground up, that actually we're three-dimensional creatures. And in that three-dimensionality, there's a lot of possibility for distribution and load of stresses and tension. And in that, that distribution and load, our body works as a fluid synchronized whole. There's a lot of sequence that needs to happen in bones and muscles and a lot of spirals that do make us more fluid. And actually that fluidity is strength. Does that fluidity, does that help with, uh, kind of releasing pain or releasing the attachment to pain? Yes. So how I commonly talk about pain, I teach at a pain clinic. And what I talk about is that, you know, in some cases, it's not like we can erase pain. In some cases, it's about really being able to have a broader experience of your body than just the pain Mm -hmm. because of course whenever we have pain or tension or stress or strain in any any domain our focus tends to narrow on whatever is causing that pain or where that pain is so somatics can help you give give like a a bigger experience of your body than just the pain and in that sense can help alleviate chronic pain that may be from you know really serious medical conditions that I don't know how to help people like out of completely but then there's like muscular skeletal pain um things like you know pressure in the joints or or things that come from misalignments that somehow you feel like you should be aligned differently but you never can quite get to the new alignment and in that case having fluid spiral sequential movements takes the pressure off the stress places and pain can go away it sounds like a fascinating class, and it also sounds like a class that would be interesting to someone who didn't have pain, who just wanted to learn a little bit more about somatics. Yeah, well, one of my goals is to really give like some of the, the foundations of what makes somatics. Um, because there are principles to it, there are experiences, there are things that are intrinsic to how you move when you feel from the inside. So I hope to share that in a really meaningful way. And um, I would say for myself, the bringing somatics into yoga wasn't a pain reason for me. It was just that I found an avenue of feeling more alive. And I found a pathway, and I I say these two words together a lot because they're really meaningful for me, to have integrity with ease. Mm. So I felt, you know, as an Iyengar trained yogi, I felt like I had a lot of integrity. And I, I mean, I still, I honor BKS Iyengar deeply. I, I just, you know, still profoundly feel so connected to him and his teaching. And it's very beautiful. And that integrity didn't give me a lot of ease. So somatics has given me the pathway, um, 
to marry the two of those things together really beautifully. It sounds like a fascinating study, and it sounds like it's going to be a really interesting class. And I hope so. I'm excited. <laughs> well, yeah. thank you so much for telling us a little bit more about somatics and about your class. And I'm looking forward to checking in with your class. And I hope you're more. there, Lynn. That would be exciting for me. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much. And uh, we'll see. We'll see you on Yoga You. See you at Yoga You. <laughs> Bye. Bye. <laughs>